this morning. Let me invite your attention to Romans chapter 12. You asked for it, a message on casual Christianity. As I think about this message, let me give you a couple of other verses to kind of set the platform here for a little bit. Psalm chapter 18, verse 1, the psalmist David just says to the Lord, I love you, O Lord, my strength. As we gather in worship, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your life? And then let me ask you today too, when's the last time you literally told him, Lord Jesus, the one who gave your life for me, the one who saved me and redeemed me, the one who will never walk out of my life, Lord Jesus, I want you to know how much I love you. When's the last time you told him you loved him? Acts chapter 17, the book of Acts is one of my favorite. And as you look at the book of Acts in Acts chapter 17, the Bible says in verse 6 here, talking about Jason and some of the other brothers and shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Are we turning the world upside down for Christ? Are we turning our city upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ? In preparation for the message today, uh, because it's been a, a heavy subject for me when I think about casual Christianity, I came here yesterday morning, met a few folks here, but, but I came here just really want to be by myself in the Lord for a season. I marched around the facility yesterday seven times praying. Uh, six times I walked around this concourse praying for this gathering this morning, and then the seventh time I walked outside the perimeter of our facility, just asking God to do a work in our lives on this weekend casual Christianity. Think about this. We have thousands of churches and millions of church members in our nation. Why aren't we making more of a moral and spiritual impact in our nation than we are? In many churches on any given Sunday, there are more empty pews than there are filled pews. Why is that the issue? It's not uncommon for a pastor to stand before his people and literally beg the people of God to attend, give, and serve. Why is that the case? It's not uncommon for us in the Christian life that we know so little about the Word of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I've shared this illustration. I've shared it with you sometime before, but one of my seminary professors at home on a Saturday morning he was praying and doing sermon preparation, getting ready for Sunday. A knock came to his door. He opened the door. It was two young men dressed very nice, and they were on his doorstep, and they wanted to engage him in a conversation about spiritual matters. And so he went on with them for a while, but he knew time was pressed. Sunday was coming, so he finally said to these young, well-dressed men, he said to them, you have to realize, the one you're talking to, I am a Southern Baptist professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, but also I pastor a Southern Baptist church. And one of the young men said to my professor at the time, but also a pastor of a local church in Louisville, said, we love Southern Baptists. And my professor, kind of taken back a little bit, said, now why in the world would you make that statement that you love Southern Baptists? And the other young man said this, we love Southern Baptists because they make our best converts. And he said, went on to say this, we find that Southern Baptists have a great love for the Bible 
The problem is they just don't know what it says. Casual Christianity. Uh, Let me ask you this morning, is your Bible more important to you than your phone? Can you imagine going anywhere without our phones in our day? But how many of us carry around or even spend as much time in the Word of God as we do looking at a screen? As you and I think about, again, casual Christianity, we think about the good news, the gospel, the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection. He's alive. One day he's coming again. As we think about the message of the gospel, it is good news. But why are we so silent about the gospel? Those who know Christ will spend eternity in heaven. Those who don't know Christ will spend eternity in hell. And so why are we so silent? Again, if you die with Christ, you spend eternity with him. If you die without him, you'll be separated from him forever. Why are we so silent as believers about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? The hope of the world is the gospel. And then as you and I think about the Christian life and casual Christianity, we oftentimes find ourselves coming to a place and and, and we, we look at it and we think, well, I obey in some areas, but not in all areas. But please understand, according to the Word of God, partial obedience is disobedience. He wants us to be all in. As we're going to see in Romans chapter 12, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That means being all in to what God wants to do in and through your life. And so are you all in? Are you fully surrendered? Are you there in relationship to God to all that he wants you to be? I'll I'll confess to you as well that I've had times in ministry in my life that were numerous things that God wanted me to do that I really didn't want to do. But I did them nonetheless because I wanted to do it out of a spirit of obedience as a living sacrifice. I didn't want to do it. One of those examples, I had a gentleman in the church I pastored. It was evident he didn't really like me, didn't like my style. He didn't like that I had this desire to have a mission to the world, reaching people with the gospel. And he was very vocal about that. And then there came a time in his life, and I knew this would probably come up at some point, he was going to have major surgery. And so here's a guy that's been very vocal about criticizing me in many ways and again tender heart thick skin I understand all that and so the time came he was going to have surgery early one morning was I going to go visit him in the hospital or just stay away and I remember that morning getting up Angie and I had prayed together I remember that morning driving to the hospital and as I get there early that morning there was a parking space close to the door and I didn't pray for him not to be one tempted to do that but I didn't do that and so I remember that morning driving this gray Honda sitting there in this parking lot, turned the engine off, and I, I, just, I just prayed. I said, God, I'm going to be honest with you. In my flesh, I don't want to be here this morning. But God, in the spirit, this is the right thing to do. Right thing to do. Praise the Lord. And I remember sitting there in that car, and I said, Now, Lord Jesus, I'm getting ready to get out of the car. I'm going to walk in the hospital. I'm going to walk up these stairs. I'm going to walk into his room. I don't know how he's going to receive me. I have no idea. But I sat there in that car, and I said, Lord Jesus, I need Philippians 2 to be evident in my life here in the next few moments. I need the attitude, the heart, and the mind of Jesus in this moment. And I got out of the car and walked up those stairs and walked into his room. 
And I said, you may be surprised I'm here, but my desire today is to love Jesus, to love you, and to pray for you. And I did that. When you and I think about the Christian life, serving in ministry or just living the Christian life, all of you realize as you do that, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, whether you're a child, student, adult, whatever age you may be, it's not always going to be easy. Uh, You just look at the word of God. Abraham had the knife raised and was going to sacrifice his only son. Joseph was tempted with Potiphar's wife. He ran for his life and he said, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Nathan, God raised him up to go to David, the king of Israel, and to say, David, you have sinned against God. Paul understood persecution. He had a thorn in his flesh. But here Paul is understood from God. My grace is sufficient for you. And then church this morning, we come to the Lord Jesus himself. Washing dirty feet in the garden of Gethsemane, praying for the Father's will to be done and not his. And then going to a place called the place of the skull, Golgotha. Here Jesus Christ is, outstretched arms, nails piercing his hands and feet crown of thorn pressed over his head, a spear piercing his side. The Son of God, in obedience to the Heavenly Father, gave his life for you and me. And then we think about casual Christianity. Well, look at your outline, because I want to give you these these few blanks here in the beginning. What do we know about casual Christianity? Uh, Here's some things. One is not new. I mean, it's not a new subject. I appreciate someone asking for it because it gives a great platform to preach a biblical message from God's Word, but it's not new. I could take you into my study right now. I could take you literally right to the book where a prominent Southern Baptist pastor in 1985 wrote a book entitled Confronting Casual Christianity. This was not new. Number two, it's about self. When you and I think about casual Christianity, here's what we're doing. We're thinking about ourselves. We're saying, God, what is most comfortable for me? What is most convenient for me? What is the easiest for me? But you need to know number three, so it's not new. It's about self, but number three, it's unbiblical. There's nowhere in the Word of God where He desires for us to be casual, to be nominal, to be halfway in. He wants us to be all in. Paul says, I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Casual Christianity. Now, I find it interesting too as I, as I was just reflecting back again over years of ministry when you, uh, what's missing around the world when you go to other parts of the world serving the Lord Jesus, what is missing in other parts of the world, here's what you're going to find that's missing around the world in many places. In, in many places around the world, they're not going to have church buildings like we have. I mean, they know nothing of having a church facility like we have here that we get to enjoy. Thank God again that he's given us a facility that we can carry out his purposes in, but also lead this facility to make a difference in our community. Around the world, they don't know this. Around the world, they don't have any electronic equipment. So when you think about lights and screens and other things, they know nothing about this around the world. But the third thing they don't know around the world that I've been around believers in some very difficult places, here's what they don't know. They do not know casual Christianity. They they don't know that. 
And so you talk to them about casual Christianity, they don't even really understand what you mean. And they say, why would I be casual? And here's why. I've given everything in my life to follow Jesus. Why would I be casual? And then they look at it and say, I've been beaten and persecuted. Some of them have been in jail and prison. Why would I be casual to the one that I'm suffering for who gave his life for me? Why would I do that? They don't understand that. But in our nation, in our churches, we have issues with casual Christianity. So when you look at those things, those things are missing around the world. Now, as we look as well, we, we think about what, when we think about casual Christianity, what we desire in the Christian life is much different than what's in the world. And I give you some examples. You and I, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we should have a passion this morning for lost souls to be saved. But the world doesn't have that passion. You and I should have a passion that the local church will be healthy. The world doesn't have that passion. You and I should have a passion that we lay up treasures in heaven, not merely on this earth. The world doesn't have that passion. But you and I also should have a passion this morning that Jesus Christ would increase and we would decrease. The world doesn't have that passion in life, but we do. And so we should be desiring those things as we think about the Christian life. Now look at Romans chapter 12 as we understand this. As we think about what God is doing in this mist, I want you to write down a few things here. Number one, ask God's people to listen. As you and I think about casual Christianity, what is Paul saying to the believers here? He's writing to believers. He said on one, it's about listening. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So he's asking the people of God to listen. We ask you to do many things in the Christian life. Here's what I mean by that. What we ask you to serve, we ask you to attend, we ask you to give, we ask you to be faithful, we ask you to attend certain events, we ask you to do a lot. But Paul in this passage is saying to these brothers in Christ, I appeal to you, and what he's saying is, I want you to listen to me, but ultimately I want you to listen to God. He's asking them to listen. And as you think about this, let me give you these blanks here real quick. Number one is prompted. When you think about Paul saying, I appeal to you, brothers, he is prompted. He's following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He's not doing this on his own. On his own. So when he says, I appeal to you, brothers, he is following the leadership of the Spirit in his life. He is prompted by the Holy Spirit. Second, he's got this passion. The Apostle Paul is not speaking on his own. He's speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And also know this, he could not be silent. Jeremiah could not be silent. Paul could not be silent. He had this passion to, to speak and preach the message of God. And then number three, he had this heart for people. He wanted them to listen to what God had to say to them. I appeal to you, brothers. He's not speaking to lost people. He's speaking to those who know Jesus in life. And so he's led this way. I, I remember having a conversation one day with a pastor. Respect the pastor. God was using him in great ways. And as we were having this conversation, he talked about how driven he was in life and ministry. Very ambitious, entrepreneurial in many ways. And he was talking one day. He was in his a relationship with his mentor, this other godly man in his life. And he was sharing with him about how he was driven, had all these ambitions and all those things. And here's what he wanted to do in those things. His mentor said to him, I don't really care how driven you are in life. What I care about is how are you led in the spiritual life? And so let me ask you when you think about your life, how is the spirit leading you? 
It's not based on the flesh. It's not your middle desires. How are you led by the Spirit? What are your passions in life? What are you passionate about in life, but the Christian life? But also, what are you saying to other people around you? Paul is getting ready to share the truth of God to these believers. What are you saying to people around you? Do you realize this in life? comes back to me as well. Same thing. It's easier, it seems like, to talk to people about sports and about food and about rain or no rain than it is to talk to people about the gospel. But somewhere, church, if we're going to be all in, we've got to get to the place where it's easier to talk to people about the gospel than those other things. Why? Life and death are at stake here. And so Paul is speaking, just asking, will you listen? Why? Because I appeal to you, brothers, he's wanting them to listen. Now, here's the question I want to ask you. When is the last time you put the brakes on in your life and you took a significant amount of time and you paused in your life to listen to what God wanted to say to you in your life? And if you're going to do that, you're going to have to say no to some other stuff because of the pace and the demands of life. But when's the last time you just paused in your life, found a place of solitude, and you just said, God, I want to listen as you speak into my life. And then I ask you this, what's God saying about your life? What's God saying about your marriage, your family? What's God saying about your vocation? What's God saying about your level of giving to the work of ministry? What is God saying about your walk with him, casual or all in? What is God saying to you? Are you listening to what God wants to say to you? Put yourself in a position. You hear God and you listen for the voice of God. Paul is just saying, I want you to pull aside. I want you to listen. I appeal to you, brothers. Number two, help God's people to remember. If we're going to guard against casual Christianity, as we see in Romans 12, we've got to put ourselves in a place of remembrance. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. He did not want them to forget the mercies of God in life. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Ever so often for me, and I did this just the other day, I find a way to say no to some things. And then I'm able to put the brakes on a little bit for a few hours and to pull away and just remember. I believe our nation, I believe our churches, I believe many times our lives are in the mess that they're in. It's because we fail to remember who God is. Somewhere we've got to remember by the mercies of God. Here's what I did the other day. God, I remember when I was saved 12 years old sitting on our basement steps God I thank you for saving me that day I remembered myself don't ever get over being saved I remembered the day Ainge and I were married we'll celebrate 36 years of marriage on Tuesday of this week God's been so good to, to Angie and me yeah. And, and I just didn't remember that day, but I remembered the people who were there. And, and honestly, there's a lot of them already passed away after 36 years. And I remember uh, just seeing their faces and remembering some of the conversations 36 years ago. I remember the other day my first sermon I ever preached. April 23rd, 1989, on a Sunday night. I preached Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Never forget that. 
I remember when the Lord called me in the ministry. It's not a job for me. It's not a career for me. It's the calling of God on my life. I remember that. I, I remember the first golf tournament I ever participated in. 12-year-old kid. It was an adult a tournament. And I remember sitting with my grandmother and my mother, and they said, you sure you want to play? And I said, absolutely. I think I can win the thing. Absolutely. 12 years old. I remember that. And then church, to get a little more personal with you, I remember, just reflecting back, I remember the first time Ange and I made our way to Clarksville, Tennessee. We flew into Nashville, had lunch with Denny Boguski, and uh, we checked in the hotel. We had a nice dinner somewhere between here and, and Nashville on a Thursday night. Wonderful meal together. Hey, Brandon was in the hospital, so uh, I, yeah, I think he was with us that particular night. Uh, he was there. And then from there, then we, we found ourselves on Friday morning meeting with the search team. And then uh, Friday afternoon, Angie and I drove to Clarksville, Tennessee for the first time together. And, and, and I remember coming into the city and, and, uh, and then we had dinner that night on that Friday evening with the search committee at, at the Clouser's house. Wonderful time together, wonderful meal together. But I remembered that afternoon as Angie and I came in, we had a little time, a little free time. We drove down, drove around this facility, and right outside there in the Grace parking lot, we backed into a parking space, and we shut the car off, and we sat there, and we just cried out to God, said, God, are you calling us to the city and to this place? Are you asking us to do this? I, I remember that. And then I remember uh, the weekend of the call here, and I remember that night we, we literally knelt right here in this space and just cried out to God and asked for the will of God to be done. And then I remember November 1st, 2020, on that Sunday morning was the first sermon I ever preached before you. Just don't ever forget. See, if you'll remember, it will guard you against casual Christianity. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, don't forget who God is. Now, look at these two things I want you to remember. Number one, God's attributes. You want to remember who he is. God, who are you? God, you're holy. God, you're all-knowing. God, you're all-powerful. God, you're ever-present. God, you're gracious. God, you're generous. God, you're so loving to me, loving kindness. Just remember the attributes of God. If you get stuck in your prayer life, just start calling out who God is. Remember the attributes of God. This is who God is. And then number two, God's activity. You remember the work of God in your life. You remember the work of God in this church. You remember what God is doing and, and is planning to do in your life. You just remember who God is and what God is doing in your life. When you and I remember, when we listen to him, but when we remember what, who he is and what he's doing, it helps guard against casual Christianity and life. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. Number three, God's people. Lead God's people to worship. I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Worship language all through that right there. Worship. When I think about worship and I think about what we do in this church, church, I please hope you understand, we're, we're not on this platform to entertain you. 
That's not our desire. When we stand on this platform before you, before you, I please hope you understand, it is not a spiritual show for you. And church, as we stand on this platform and as we seek to lead you in worship because of the call of God on our lives, I hope you understand as well that the ultimate goal is not for you to walk out and to say, I feel good today. That's not the goal. The goal is to experience and have an encounter with a holy, righteous Father. And oftentimes when that happens, we may leave feeling good, but there are days we're going to leave and say, my toes absolutely hurt because the Word of God has stepped all over me today. I leave. Why? Because the Spirit has convicted me so heavy in my life because I'm now entering the mission field and I've got work to do. So as I think about worship, let me give you this quick definition. One, God's revelation. As you and I worship here again is the key to that. We're, we're seeking what is God, how is he revealing himself? Worship is God's revelation through the word by the Holy Spirit. What is God saying to you and me as he reveals himself to you and me? And number two is our response. What does God want us to do as a result of worship? One of the great indicators that you've worshiped Almighty God is that you desire to obey him. Because when you look in the Bible, people who experienced God, who encountered him, who worshiped him, they desired to obey the leadership of God. Do you desire to obey the leadership of God in your life? And again, there, our desire is not to leave and, and to hear many people say, well, they finally got the music right today. It's not to leave on a Sunday and somebody to say, he finally got the sermon length right. And it's not for you to leave one Sunday and to say, they finally got the temperature in the sanctuary correct. <laughs> it's not to do that. I love you, church. Here's what we desire. Well, I'd love to see all of us hit the exit doors. And to say, I am overwhelmed by the grace of God. I'd love to see us hit the exit doors and say, I just stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I'd love to see us hit the exit doors and just say, God, as you call people, I just want you to know, Lord, here am I, you send me. Oh, you may send some other people, but God sent me. Use me. Send me. When you and I worship God, he reveals, we respond. It guards us against casual Christianity. He says in his text, and I could give you a lot of insight on the verbs. Present is just a sacrifice. You give the Lord your best. Not what's left over. You present your bodies. That's not just your flesh. That is your, your entire being, as Paul is saying. You surrender everything to God in your life as holy and acceptable, as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. Do you desire to be holy and acceptable before him? Listen to him. Protects against casual Christianity. All you worship him protects against casual Christianity. And number four, um, just to call God's people to surrender. So I think about this text here. I think about life. Why do you and I at times, and I'm right here with you, so I'm preaching to myself, 
Chris and I prayed together this morning. I said, here's what happens on Sunday for me. I preach to myself and hope it applies to everyone else in the room. So it comes to me first. But why do we live life with this clenched fist? We clench life and possession so tight. And why don't we live life with open hands? And to say, Lord, all that you've given me, you've given me more than I deserve or even need. All that I have, my life, possession, God, they're yours. You're faithful. Your mercy's on you every morning. God, you've saved me. You've given me the spirit who lives on the inside of me. You're never going to walk out of my life. You're never going to abandon me. God, you're faithful to me. Why wouldn't we live with open hands and say, God, I surrender my life to you? And then we even say to him, God, now if you want to use me in great ways, that's your will for my life. God, if you want to use me in some obscure place, nobody's ever going to know my name. God, that's your will for my life. Whatever you want to do, small or great, God, my life is in your hands. I've surrendered. That will guard against casual Christianity. Guard against that. Look at these three questions. As you think about surrendering your life and as you think about what God is doing, number one, what do you blush at? I was reading the other morning early in the Word of God and I came across Ezra chapter 9, verse 5 and 6. Here's what the Bible says. Ezra 9, verses 5 and 6. You can write the reference down. You may look it up a little bit later. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting. When's the last time you fasted before God? seeking the heart of God in your life. With my garment and my cloak torn, and here's what happened. The man of God just said, God, I, I fell on my knees. And God, I spread out my hands to you. And why did he do that? And then he said, I fell on my knees, spread out my hands to the Lord my God. And here's what he said. Oh, my God. I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God. Why? For our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. Are you blushing over the sin in your life? As a nation, are we blushing? We can't even lift our faces to God because of the sin in our lives and sin in our nation. What do you blush at in your life? Number two, what have you walked out of? What if you just said, God, I don't fit this and I've got to walk out? I remember a university class I had. It wasn't a regular lecture because that was during the day, but this was a special event the professor asked us to go to one night. And so I drove to Bowling Green to attend this event. So I'm in this event sitting there. And, and, and the information that was being presented that night that the professor asked us to be at was literally nothing more than trash. And I sat there that night. I said, Lord Jesus, what do I do? What do I do? Am I going to let my eyes and my mind, am I going to listen to this garbage that's being shared? Or Lord Jesus, do you want me just to get up and walk out and head back to Glasgow? And I probably missed it many times, but church that night, I made the decision to say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to get up and walk out of this room. I left. I did that. What have you walked out of? just doesn't fit who I am in Christ. I'm not honoring him. And I'm not done trying, I want to be a witness for him, yes. But God, it just doesn't fit. There, there are even times, there, there's a hamburger place. I just refuse to get a hamburger there because you don't have to have those kind of commercials to sell hamburgers. 
So if you do, I'd, I'll just eat somewhere else. Do something different. Number three, what words do you guard against using? Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Be different than this world. Folks, we should be like elephants and dinosaurs in this world. Very different. And then he says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, testing you may discern what the will of God is, good, acceptable, and perfect. What words do you guard against using? Coarse jokes, filthy language, profanity should never, ever come out of the mouths of those who have surrendered their lives to Christ. It does not fit who we are in Jesus. So, two things. When's the last time you told the Lord Jesus you love him? This morning, I just give you the challenge before this invitation's over. On your knees, on your face, right where you are, where you're going to stand, I want you to just come to him and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. And thank you for giving me life today. Would you tell him? And then I want to ask you, are you living all in surrendered or are you casual in your life? Folks, I hope you know too from Scripture, Christians can be casual, churches can be casual. 1 Corinthians 3, Hebrews chapter 5, Revelation 3, the church at Laodicea, neither hot nor cold, lukewarm. What did Jesus say? I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Are you casual or committed? As a church, are we casual, committed? I pray today the heart cry of our lives, individuals as a church, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for hearing my prayer this morning that you would give me recall, remembrance, and new insight. I thank you, Father, that you answered the prayer that I could just share this message, be faithful to rightly divide the word of truth, and Lord, I could also be led by the Spirit of Christ. And then, Father, I come with open hands before you, and I leave the fruit of this message to you. If there are many people who come forward and say, I need Jesus, I want to know him as my Savior, I need to be baptized, I want to join the fellowship of this church, I've been living casual, the Holy Spirit's convicted me, and I need to be committed, surrendered all in, the glory goes to you. God, as we stand in just a moment and give this invitation and sing this incredible song, if there's not a single person who comes forward today, Father Angie and I are going to walk to the steeple entrance in just a moment, and then we're going to leave this property in a little while, and I'm going to be able to say, Lord, I left everything at your feet. I did everything you asked me to do, and the glory goes to you. May Jesus increase, and may I decrease, I pray. And Lord Jesus, in this invitation, whether it's a public decision, a private decision, or someone who just needs to come and pray and tell you, Lord, how much they love you, give us Jesus, and the glory goes to you. And I pray it today in Jesus' name.